And welcome on in. Good afternoon. This is the second edition of Lunch with Klaibs and Joe here on ClaibsOnline.com. I am Joe Roderick. And with that being said, we bring in the other man that's part of our lunchtime show. That's Mike Claiborne. What's going on, Klaibs? How are you? I'm good, Joe. Uh, looking forward to having a good lunch today. I forgot to bring lunch, man. I'm going to have this squared away by next week, I promise See, uh, lot, looking for we got a lot of things to cover, so I'm looking forward to talking. We absolutely do. And as people can see, a uh, brand new website, brand new live video from what we had last week. Hopefully a lot of features that uh, help make the, the show look a lot better for uh, for you. And a lot of audience participation is what we're hoping for here as well. You can comment on either the Twitter or the uh, the Facebook live stream that we have right now. And we uh, we will answer some of those questions or post some of those comments right here on the uh, on the live stream as you see the ticker that we have across the bottom uh mike we've we've graduated i think from what we had last week to what we've uh what we've been able to do this week in just seven short days yeah we've uh made some progress there's no doubt about it and we have some other uh things that we're working on that i think our, our viewers and listeners will appreciate uh, you know, we've had a lot of time. We've had a lot of spare time for sure. So I'm looking forward to us growing even more and uh, we'll start growing today. That's uh, yeah. So feel free to uh, to comment along and uh, comment as we go here as we uh, we plan. If we moved it from Monday to Tuesday this week due to the holiday uh, Claves, I was traveling back from the Ozarks. I was uh, swimming at Coconuts all weekend long. So I, I had to uh, take yesterday off. Well, I know I won't see you for at least 14 days, if not longer. Uh, I don't know what to say about that. You know, I, you know, here's something that I think we got to take into account. This this whole COVID thing, none of us knows enough about, okay? Uh, and just because you have a feeling and just because you don't see it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. And while it has a different impact on different people, uh, no one's immune from, to it. But I think, Joe, the bigger issue here is I don't know if COVID was the most serious thing you could uh, you could contract when you see as many people as we saw in some of those swimming pools. I mean, it was not what you would call an ideal situation, social, uh, whether you whether COVID is around or not. I mean, there's no way. But, you know, a lot of people thought that was a fun thing to do. And I'm amazed at the excuses we hear on why they had to do it. Um, glad they were there. Glad I wasn't. That's uh, yeah, similar to I've never actually been to the Ozarks and just seeing that picture. There was nothing about that that actually looked like a fun time to me. Well, just walking around and other people's, you know, whatever they might be doing in the pool. It's a great area. Uh, a lot of fun things go on there. I, I just think, though, in this situation, uh, considering the circumstances, probably not the most ideal way to do things. And I think that was the unfortunate thing about the whole ordeal. Yeah. So uh, moving along from that, as we get into everything that we have going on uh, today, I do want to mention, as you see on the bottom, Lunch with Claves and Joe, powered by Ameren, Illinois, and driven by Munganass St. Louis Acura 
our uh, sponsors here of the uh, of the program and our sponsors of many of the other things that we bring you each and every week. This past Saturday on uh, on my show, Mike, I had uh, I had four uh, really good interviews on Weekend Joe that people can go back and they can listen to. I had Eric Bischoff. He was the former president of WCW Wrestling, was also in WWE for a time, but he was the man that signed Dennis Rodman to the uh, to the deal to wrestle and be part of the NWO. And he had some really good stories from his time there. I had Jay Jr. on. I had St. Louis Olympic hopeful Julia Conan on the show. And then I had former Cardinal first round draft pick Dimitri Young on the uh, on the program too. So I had a uh, jam-packed week as I know you have a, a lot of interviews that you're going to be rolling out this week as well. Yeah, we're going to have some fun this week. Um, we're going to talk to Rob Fisher from the NBA. Um, John Mozella, Cardinal president of baseball operations, is going to join us this week. Uh, Mark Russo, who's a saxophonist for the Doobie Brothers. You know, the Doobie Brothers, Joe, might have been one of the first uh, bands to encounter the coronavirus as their tour was cut short. And now it's announced today that they're not going to go back on the road until next year. But they feel like maybe there was some something going on because they were touring in Vegas when some guys started to get sick and some other bands started to cancel because they were had some people that were getting sick. And interestingly enough, Mark Russo's been with the band for like 23 years. So it was the first time they'd ever canceled a gig due to illness. Oh, wow. So we'll get a chance to talk to him about that and what he's going through. You know, we always talk about what athletes are doing and, you know, obviously what other people are doing since we've been kind of shut down. Uh, but as a musician and a person who's used to being on a tour, uh, interesting answers he will have on tour. So I'm looking forward to talking to him. And uh, we'll visit with Dr. Rick Lehman a little later this week. And uh, we may have a surprise or two up our sleeve. I always like to hold one back because you just never know who's going to call you. Yeah, and I just, uh, we posted yesterday, I did an off the wall with Benjamin Hockman, so that's also available right now on uh, clabesonline.com. You can uh, you can go and watch him give a uh, tour of all the memorabilia that he picked up, not only growing up in St. Louis as a fan of the Cardinals and the Blues, but since he has been a columnist with the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. So something to, uh, to else to check out there. As we've been, as we said, we've been putting two or three things up each and every day there on clabesonline.com. Uh, dot com. So uh, a lot of uh, a lot of different content, uh, something for everybody up there on the website. So hey, yes, uh, Sunday. I guess today's Tuesday. So on Sunday we had yet another uh, live sporting event, another live golf match to watch as Tiger Woods and Peyton Manning took on Phil Mickelson and Tom Brady. The the weather conditions weren't ideal, but I think as far as entertainment value went with the announcers and kind of playing along with uh, with the golfers I thought it was a lot better than what we saw the week before at Seminole I, I would agree with you um medalist another very tough course uh, I was there when Ricky Fowler shot the 62 that day uh, a very tough course and it was even tougher because of the weather uh, but yeah I, I think Peyton Manning kind of stole the show I think there were some other guys trying to find their way uh, but I thought Peyton Manning, and I think I even tweeted, uh, I don't know what sport's good enough or what role in sports broadcasting is good enough for Peyton Manning uh, because he made it a lot of fun. And it was good to see Tom Brady make a shot considering how poorly he started. Uh, you know, w- w- you know, when you play golf with your buddies, 
that's one thing. But when you know, you know, the country's watching, and you know, you want you don't just take it as well. I'm just going out and have another game. Uh, I think it was a little different. I think maybe he was a little nervous about it, uh, but he was able to rally and come up with a couple of good shots during the course of the way. And I thought I, was, I thought it was fun. I mean, you know, right now, Joe, there's so many things that we're not used to doing when it comes to our TV viewing, and anything that seems like it's live was a lot of fun, but. Here's my question to you. Where do you think golf would be, especially with these most two recent events where you're not able to track the ball? What if they didn't have that ball tracker coming off the tee? I mean, you'd just be looking at a sky because you wouldn't be able to pick up the ball from a camera angle. That's the way. I mean, when did that ball tracker come into play? What, 10, 15 years ago? Yeah. It's been around for a few years. If I'm not mistaken, the same people who came up with the yard line thing in football where you could see, you know, how, the distance uh, where, the, where the first down would be. I think it's the same company or maybe they're different. Uh, and this company that's doing the ball tracking, I think, is out of Sweden. And it used to be very expensive to do. and It still might be. But I think it's really the trend that we're going to have to get used to or hope to see more of as we continue to watch golf. Would those have been the same people that also put the uh, light in the puck back during the uh, NHL on Fox? You know what? I wouldn't be surprised. And and you know what? I got to tell you, I didn't really have a problem with that. I I knew what they were trying to do because they wanted to make sure people who always say, I can't follow the puck on TV. I knew it was meant for them, but for the casual hockey fan, they may have thought it was a distraction. But, you know, at, at that point, you're trying to do anything to garner new fans. I mean, what hockey fan? if you're a real hockey fan, is going to turn the TV off because of the glowing puck. Nobody was going to do it. They just wanted to have something to complain about. And I think overall it was a nice step in the right direction for the league. And you know what? I think you have to try things from time to time. man. I, I really do. I always felt like the NFL should have had some sort of chip or some sort of covering on the football to make sure it actually crossed the plane. It makes sure it actually crossed the line for a first down. Uh, I mean, the technology can't be that far away to be able to do it compared to wondering if you have a good camera angle or not. So, you know, that's my opinion, but I hope we see more of it. I, I, I don't have a problem with technology. What did you think of the trash talk that we heard between Justin Thomas and Charles Barkley? Well, you know, you can't call it a rivalry because Barkley's no good. Um, you know, I think Justin Thomas was trying to find his niche and have some fun. Uh, you know, so it was fine. I mean, you know, you, you got to do things to spice it up. And I'm sure the people from Turner suggested, hey, you guys have as much fun as you can. And, and they just told Charles, I'm sure, just act like you're on the set for the, uh, the NBA show. And for Justin being his first rodeo, I think he, he was trying to find his, find his way also. And you don't know what the relationship is between the two of them outside of that. We don't know if they, how often, if they've ever played golf together, if they've hung out, had dinner together. I I do know Justin Thomas, an Alabama guy and Charles Barkley, an Auburn guy. So I'm sure if there is any relationship there, those two have definitely had some words with each other as far as sports go. Yeah. I'm not sure how much they do though, because Justin lives in Jupiter uh, and Barkley lives in Arizona. So I'm not sure. Maybe they have mutual friends. You know, in the world of sports, Joe, everybody knows somebody. So that could be it. But you know what? For first first outing, I thought it was okay. 
Yeah. And so moving on, I mean, we we know that golf is starting up again soon. They're going to have some tournaments. They're going to have no fans at these tournaments. Do you think there's still time to get one more of these charity outings out there? And if so, who do you want to see in a uh, in an outing like that? It's a great question. Um, I don't think we have enough time for another one uh, because it would be too hastily done. Uh, I like to see Steph Curry with a club in his hand. From a PGA Tour standpoint, maybe a Brooks Koepka, a guy who's a legit player. Uh, Phil and Tiger speak for themselves. Um, you know, the other one, the other event, you had two guys that were winners, and the other two are right on the cusp. But I like to see Steph Curry. Um, and, and maybe there's somebody else that's not in sports. Maybe it's an entertainer. Uh, maybe it's a media type that's really good. You know, I'd like to see something like that. Maybe a Jim Nance. You know, Jim Nance is a pretty good player. Now, how good is he now? I don't know. Uh, but something along that line uh, you might be able to pull off. But I, I don't know if you have enough time because I think you're going to try and start on the 15th of June that weekend. So you may not have enough time to really put it together and then find some guys who've actually been playing enough where they want to go out and embarrass themselves. Adam Wainwright has been pretty active on Twitter these past few days. He's trying to set up one of these outings on his own as he first challenged Justin Verlander to a one-on-one golf match for uh, for charity. But now he is looking, he's been tagging Fox Sports Midwest in this too, but he is now looking at possibly adding more and more I guess former baseball players to this and seeing what they uh, what they can put on as they wait for the start of baseball, and it uh, looks like he wants Zach Johnson to uh, be his caddy. Well, I know you know Zach's come to spring training and spent some time in our camp before. I you know what the only time I really want to see Wayno in a sports event is when he's on the mound. I'm not sure if I'd have a great interest in something like that. Uh, and he's the best golfer on the team. But, I thought you know, Rebia was. I, I think you got to you can only take it so far. I mean, from a local standpoint, I'm sure fans would get a kick out of it, but I don't know if 18 holes would be something I think I'm going to sit down and watch again because I've already seen it. So if he wants to do it, I'm all for it. Uh, I think I can give him three to eight holes, and then after that, I'm going to probably do something else. I uh I did see the um I, I did see that Bush Stadium is now open. The facilities are open. They're also opening Jupiter, the Roger Dean down there. So I don't know how much time Adam Wainwright will actually have to get on the golf course with oh, some of these guys. Find a way. Pitchers always find a way to get on the course. That's that's his least concern. I noticed he did tag a lot of other pitchers on this. Uh most yeah. of them retired. Mark Mulder, Kyle Loesch, Izzy. Uh, were a few, but he also tagged Adam LaRoche, Jeff Francoeur, John Smoltz, Nick Punto, and Mark DeRosa. So a lot of retired guys with Adam Wainwright. So uh, probably really a lot of guys his age. Yeah, Smoltzy, I probably not want to mess with because he's a pretty good golfer. He need to give you a few shots. Yeah. Uh, but again, I just don't know if it's got the real star power impact. I, again, if it's a regional thing, or maybe you get guys within a division. And play, you know, some like maybe you play somebody from the Cubs. What they should have done is try to have some sort of tournament, uh, a best ball, some sort of tournament between the division, teams in the division. Keep it central, find a course that they can all get to and, and maybe do something like that. But, you know, that that's 
that's really piling on at this point, considering we've already seen this sort of event twice. With uh, with the facilities all opening up now, anything that you can share with us? I know you have John Mozalak coming up later on this week, but anything that you've heard about a timeline with baseball possibly starting or what the facilities being open even means? Well, that's something that I don't have a definitive answer to yet. I would assume it would be on a limited basis. I know in Jupiter at one point they had the, the facility open from 10 to 2. And, you know, guys would come over and hit, get in the cage and do things like that. Maybe had some guys that were rehabbing. But I, I'm not sure how structured it's going to be until the players and the owners get something together. Uh, and hopefully we'll hear something on that later today, maybe tomorrow with regard to the players' response and what the owners presented to them last week. But I think right now they just want to kind of get guys in a simple baseball mood of just working out. And also it gives coaches or people a chance to get some eyes on some players to see what they look like physically uh, because they're starting from ground zero. Uh, this isn't like an offseason where you had your routine and you were in the gym and you were doing this and doing that. You didn't have any of that unless you had a gym at home. Uh, so it's a little bit of a different approach as far as conditioning and just how ready they are to go. I, I spoke with a couple of players recently, and a couple of them feel like they wouldn't need a lot of time. Uh, and I asked a pitcher, and he said, I can go three innings right now. So if you give them two more weeks or three weeks of, of training, maybe you can get them to six. And with a short sprint season, though, six is probably all you need. That is Mike Claiborne. I am Joe Roderick. You're watching uh, Lunch with Claibs and Joe, powered by Amron, Illinois, and driven by Munganass St. Louis Acura. We are going to get into some of the NBA and the NHL talk in just a uh, just a bit. But first, a, a few words from our sponsors. Hey, Matt Minster here, just chilling with Hank. <laughs> and we're here with a helpful energy savings tip from Amron, Illinois. You can save up to $55 a year by not leaving the TV on as you leave the house or as you fall asleep. Instead, try playing a battery-powered radio for your dog when you go to work. And use the sleep timer on your TV. Find more ways to save at AmarinIllinois.com slash savings made easy. You have sunshine through today with... Hey, I was watching that. Every day, we bring you This Day in Cardinals History on Claims Online, powered by Amron, Illinois, and driven by Munganast St. Louis Acura. Join Joe Roderick, Mike Claiborne, and others as we look back at great moments from the many decades of Cardinals baseball. We welcome Hall of Famer Mike Shannon to the segment. You've been around Stan Musial all of your life. When I became a big leaguer and I went over to his bat, he only used the... Uh sweet part, what we call the sweet part of the bat, okay, and that was right on the barrel, and it just amazed me, you know, because I, I looked at my bat, it was on both sides, and was up and down almost <laughs> all, all the way to the knob, okay, and sometimes I had to use the knob. This day in Cardinals history, powered by Amron, Illinois, and driven by Munganass, St. Louis Acura, every day, only on Claims Online.
Every day, we bring you This Day in Cardinals History on Claims Online, powered by Ameren, Illinois, and driven by Munganast St. Louis Acura. Join Joe Roderick, Mike Claiborne, and others as we look back at great moments from the many decades of Cardinals baseball. It's Sea Cushion Night at Bush Stadium against the New York Mets. Ricky Horton, tell me about that night in St. Louis. They came flying like crazy. It's a different vantage point when you're sitting in the bullpen and, you, and you're flying over. I mean, they're like 40,000 little drones flying over your head. And, you don't, and, and you're thinking, now, you know, is that going to hurt when they hit me? I mean, what, what the heck? This day in Cardinals history, powered by Ameren, Illinois, and driven by Munganass, St. Louis Acura, every day, only on Claves Online. Now back to lunch with Claves and Joe on ClavesOnline.com. And we're back here at lunch with Klaibs and Joe here on ClaibsOnline.com. You're either watching on Facebook or on Twitter, or later today we'll have the audio and the video up on YouTube and in podcast form that you could find on Google, on iTunes, or on Spotify. I'm Joe Roderick. He's Mike Claiborne. And uh, Klaibs, as we uh, we were talking about before the break, the NBA and the NHL, they both, uh, even though their season stopped on the same day and their postseasons usually end around the same time, it seems for some reason the NHL has things figured out more than the NBA as far as how to get things restarted and an actual plan in place. And it seems like we're going to have an answer from the NHL as early as this afternoon. Well, I agree with you to a point. I I still think that the NHL has some things to work out logistically uh, with regard to the testing and how they, you know, qualify a person. Uh, Limiting the access as far as uh, places to play, I think, obviously works. Uh, I'm anxious to hear what Gary Bettman has to say, because if you listen to some players, there's still some apprehension. Now, that could come from not being as informed as they need to be because a lot of players may not listen to their rep, their union rep as much to really get an idea of what's going on. So I think what they'll do today is outline the initial steps that they feel they need to take. And then we'll see where it goes from there. Uh, On the the NBA front, I think that that's a, a different situation with regard to what they're trying to do next, because uh, it, it sounds like Disney world, and that's something you and I talked about almost a month ago. Uh, about the NBA perhaps going to uh, Disney World, which makes a lot of sense for them. They've got the facility. They've obviously got the lodging. They can really control things. Uh, And and I think, and I said this before, uh, for the pro sports teams, I always felt the NBA was the most proactive and would probably come up with an answer before everybody else. Now, granted, their sport is a little easier to police, less players. Uh, You're playing in arenas. You can limit the access uh, compared to baseball and, and certainly hockey. Uh, but I think that the NBA is certainly going to lead the way as far as getting this thing squared away. Yeah, the NHL, when it comes to how they will restart the season, the NBA has thrown a few different ideas out there. The NHL, it seems like they are close to landing on this plan, which has the top 12 teams from each conference qualifying for the playoffs. So a 24-team playoff the top four teams, which the Blues fall in in the Western Conference, they get a play-in by 
but they would play the two seed or the, the blues are if they're the one seed or the two seed right now they would play a game against the two seed the three seed the four seed just as a round robin just to stay fresh the remaining eight teams from each conference would play a best of five series for the four remaining spots in the uh, to make it a 16 team bracket from there the nhl would hope to play a best of seven for the remainder of the way until a Stanley Cup champion is crowned. So the Blues, the Avalanche, and whoever the three and the four seeds would be in the Western Conference, they would just play each other just a quick little practice game, kind of like a, a preseason game, just to be able to get on the ice and, and knock the rust off while you'd have essentially the fifth seed playing the 12th seed, and you could have some really serious upsets there in the postseason, in a best of five, especially when we don't know what kind of condition any of these players are going to be coming back in. Yeah, I agree with you because here's the difference between the NHL, NBA, Major League Baseball. Uh, if you're in baseball, you can go somewhere and throw. You can find a cave to hit in. Basketball, you just need a gym to shoot. Hockey, you need a sheet of ice. Now, that doesn't mean somebody's not having a midnight skate somewhere to not draw attention to what's going on, but you just don't have the facilities available. The only thing I would raise a hand to with regard to the format, I think I'd like to reseed after the first round in case you have the upset, and I think we will. Um, it's just it's just bound to happen, but I would reseed more than anything else. But, you know, who knows? Maybe they'll, they'll work on that because I know it's been a discussion in the past. And this is probably a good way to try and, and formulate some ideas for the future of the game. So, you know, why not roll it out there and see if it sticks? Yeah, that's I, I, I haven't heard anything about reseeding. I haven't seen anything along those lines, but that would make sense, especially if a 12 seed makes it in there that had no business making the postseason. Yeah. It would make sense to give them to the number one seed. On the NBA hand uh, side of things, they have sent out – um, a, a memo to GMs, to owners about a few different plans in place and is not sure if they, since they will all be in Orlando, if they will just have it be, you know, the one seed takes on the 16 seed, reseed everybody, no Eastern, no Western conference, just the 16 best teams are playing. But there's also talk of bringing in all of these other teams just to play a few games to get the rust off. And today, one of the stars of the NBA, Damian Lillard, came out and said that if that's the case, if they're just bringing in the Trailblazers just to give these teams practice games, he's not going to play. He's going to sit on the bench. He's not going to go into any of the games because if he's not playing for something, if he's not playing, and right now the Trailblazers were the ninth seed in the Western Conference, that if he has nothing to play for, he's not going to go out there and risk his body. And I, I would imagine you're going to see that from a few other players it's just right now, Damian Lillard's the biggest name on a, a team that in, in the NHL, if they were going by the NHL rules, would have had a shot at the postseason. Yeah, I, I see his point, but isn't his point to play because he's getting paid? Now, granted, he makes a lot of money. He figures, like, I don't need money for that sort of risk. But, you know, you do have a professional commitment. And, it's, you know, it's not the NBA's fault that you're in ninth place. Now, what I think I would do is this. I would get those teams to play a wild card mini tournament to see who gets an at-large bid. You know, how many teams would you have left? Would you have uh, five teams left, six teams left, something along that line? 
I would try and put those teams in a quick round, you know, one single elimination tournament and maybe double elimination in those two final teams or your last two teams to get into the NBA tournament. Now we got something to play. Everybody feels like they have a shot. Yeah. And, you know, some of these other, the Warriors or some of these other really bad teams in the NBA this year, there's, there might not be a point in bringing them in. That's just more, more people that you have to test more rooms that you have to clean at the, at the Disney resorts. It's just, there, there's no reason to bring in all 30 teams in the NBA. When, if your plan is to only have 16 or 24 of them make the playoffs, you're just adding extra work for yourself and for other people. Well, they, they're trying to go with less is better right now. And, you know, we'll see this thing scale down. So your point is valid where less might be better for the future. So, uh, but I think if I'm Lillard, I have to think about the fact that I do have a professional commitment and it's not the league's fault that they're not as good as he wants them to be. So how do you compare that to Damian, with Damian Lillard saying, how do you compare that to what some of these baseball players are saying or what they're arguing about with the uh, possible shutdown for, or I guess the possible restarting of baseball with their salaries? Well, you know, this isn't a perfect scenario for anyone. And everybody's got to take a bite out of this sandwich, I think. And for those who feel like they should go unscathed because it's not their fault, well, hell, it's nobody's fault. Well, maybe one or two. But at the end of the day, um, you know, we still have a professional responsibility. And for those who want to get selfish and say, I'm taking a big risk, we're all taking a big risk. Okay? That doesn't make any of these players any different than any fan who goes to work every day with a much more dangerous job than he may have. And, and other people who have situations, it's certainly a challenging. So I, I think we have to put our, our selfish backpack away for a bit and, and try and look at the bigger picture here. The other thing I would say to them is, especially if you're a younger guy and you know, you don't, you say you don't want to run the risk. You can always, you can run, you can blow out your arm in spring training. But I, I think this is only one year. This is only one portion of a season. So it, it would be different if this was something we would see in the future as far as the new collective bargaining agreement is concerned. But I think what it does is create other non-starters that when you do go in and negotiate, you say, all right, we tried this and it's not going to work. So what else we got? We have, uh, we've seen in college sports the shift in what governors, what local officials have been saying in the past week, and I imagine over the next two weeks that's going to change even more. And a lot of that, I, I, you know, we joked about the Ozarks in the, first, uh, in the first part of the show. In reality, I mean, that's a good test to see how the world's going to look in two weeks and see what the numbers look like in two weeks. And a lot of stuff might open up. A lot of stuff might close based on what we heard. But colleges, universities that have a lot of money depending on college football starting up in, in August, they're, it's really kind of back and forth, state to state, private to state universities as far as what they have been deciding so far, what they're saying so far. Honestly, I think it's way too early for I think it's too early for grade schools to come out with an, a plan for the fall. I think it's way too early for colleges to come out with a plan in the uh, in the fall too, because that's still three months away. 
we don't know what this summer is going to look like with anything. So it's, you know, to, to go out and have a president of a university claim that they're going to let players come in and practice, but they aren't sure about classes. It seems way too early to make any kind of those statements. Well, yeah, you're, you're right. And, and I think it's really, it's asinine. Uh, but I think it just shows you the importance of college sports because I find this really bizarre. While the universities, in most cases with big programs, don't contribute money, these athletic departments can raise their own money. They're working hand in hand because if you don't have games, you don't have other things that come with games. Uh, the, the athletic department would like to have it, have the games and they like to have people in the stands because that's how they make money. University likes to have people in the stands because other people on campus, those are students, those are alums. Uh, and those are future students for enrollment trade. And I think it's safe to say the colleges as we know them will change after this as well. But I, I think when you look at certain conferences and they're already moving forward as if people are gonna be on, on campus, my question is what if a president says, no, can't do it. And then you're gonna have kids come on campus just to play football, just to make money. I think we're gonna have a real scuffle a legal scuffle on our hands if that's going to be the case. Uh, we're sitting here right now. It's May 26th. I the, That first football game isn't going to be until the end of August. It's still there. There is still so much time in between to make any kind of those uh, any kind of those statements. It's it seems way too early to come out and say anything just to have a, a PR statement out there. Yeah, I think I could have waited. But, you know, I think they're getting pressure from coaches saying, you know, we didn't have a spring season. I haven't played, worked with these kids since the last bowl game. And they feel like they need to get them ready physically to, to be able to play football. I don't know what that timetable is uh, because I think everybody does it differently. But I understand that this is something they need to get on the board just to give themselves a comfort level. And when you have some coaches that might be playing for their job, although I think it's going to be hard for anybody to get fired this year considering but, you know, there's some teams who think that they got a shot and you have other teams that know they have no shot. So with the two looking to meet somewhere in the middle, I think is where you're going to have to find where college football or the NCAA has to have a final resting spot. This is Lunch with Klaibs and Joe here on ClaibsOnline.com. Each and every week, we will be coming to you around 1230, mostly on Mondays. We shifted it this week because of the uh, because of the holiday weekend. But we uh, we come to you each and every week going over some of the top stories. And, uh, well, right now it's all the top stories as sports are close, hopefully, to uh, to restarting as we are sponsored by Ameren, Illinois, and also Munganass St. Louis Acura. As uh, And Claves also, we are sponsored by Fast Eddie's. Uh, and you're having Eddie Scholler on this weekend. They plan on opening up this weekend over in Illinois. Friday at 11 a.m. is the uh, launching party, and uh, we're going to talk to Eddie later in the week and get his thoughts on what's going to be different at Fast Eddie's. I mean, let's face it, Joe, uh, you know, what we're accustomed to no longer applies in a lot of cases. So with Fast Eddie's being one of the most popular bars and restaurants in the area uh, and one of our sponsors, we thought it'd be a good idea to hear directly from him on what to look for and try and figure out a way to still have fun. That's Mike Clayboard. I'm Joe Roderick. We take one more short commercial break, and when we come back, we will wrap things up. 
on this edition of Lunch with Joe and Claves right here on ClavesOnline.com. Hey, Matt Minster here, just chilling with Hank. And we're here with a helpful energy savings tip from Ameren, Illinois. You can save up to $55 a year by not leaving the TV on as you leave the house or as you fall asleep. Instead, try playing a battery-powered radio for your dog when you go to work. And use the sleep timer on your TV. Find more ways to save at AmarinIllinois.com slash savings made easy. You have sunshine through today with... Hey, I was watching that. <laughs> Every day, we bring you This Day in Cardinals History on Claims Online, powered by Amarin, Illinois, and driven by Munganast St. Louis Acura. Join Joe Roderick, Mike Claiborne, and others as we look back at great moments from the many decades of Cardinals baseball. We welcome Hall of Famer Mike Shannon to the segment. You've been around Stan Musial all of your life. When I became a big leaguer and I went over to his bat, he only used the uh, sweet part, what we call the sweet part of the bat, okay, and that was right on the barrel. And it just amazed me, you know, because I, I looked at my bat, it was on both sides and was up and down almost <laughs> all, all the way to the knob, okay, and sometimes I had to use the knob. This day in Cardinals history. Powered by Ameren, Illinois, and driven by Munganast, St. Louis Acura. Every day, only on Claves Online. Every day, we bring you This Day in Cardinals History on Claims Online, powered by Ameren, Illinois, and driven by Munganast St. Louis Acura. Join Joe Roderick, Mike Claiborne, and others as we look back at great moments from the many decades of Cardinals baseball. It's Sea Cushion Night at Bush Stadium against the New York Mets. Ricky Horton, tell me about that night in St. Louis. They came flying like crazy. It's a different vantage point when you're sitting in the bullpen and, you, and you're flying over. I mean, they're like 40,000 little drones flying over your head. And, you know, and, and you're thinking, now, you know, is that going to hurt when they hit me? I mean, what, what the heck? This day in Cardinals history, powered by Ameren, Illinois, and driven by Munganast, St. Louis Acura, every day, only on Claves Online. Now back to lunch with Claves and Joe on ClavesOnline.com. And welcome back in for the final segment of Lunch with Claves and Joe. I'm Joe Roderick. That man right there is Mike Claiborne, the uh, well, the, the namesake for Claves Online, ClavesOnline.com. And Claves, this past weekend, I know you watched, I think we, we both watched different things, but it was kind of a flashback to the early 2000s, 90s with the guys that were uh, were the stars of that. 
Uh, I saw a lot of Mike Tyson this weekend. You uh, watched the Lance Armstrong 30 for 30 documentary as it was kind of uh, ESPN's hope to hold on to some of that crowd that they've had the last five Sundays with the last dance. They decided to show, uh, I guess, release early the Lance Armstrong documentary. What were your thoughts on uh, on how they showcased part one of two of Lance Armstrong? Well, I was uh, not surprised considering who it was. You know, Lance Armstrong has tried to go this whole ordeal by saying, yeah, I did it, but so is everybody else. Yeah, but you were winning because you did it. And, and I think that Lance Armstrong, who's always had a pu- public persona problem, really kind of exemplified it in watching this event. Now, the documentary was, was interesting, informative for those who are cyclists and understanding how it works. But when you watch Lance Armstrong, it doesn't make him come out even better than what I think we already perceived him to be. And that was a cheater who was willing to do anything at all costs. Um, I'm anxious to see how they can fill up another hour next week or ne- another two hours. I just don't think it's that riveting, to be honest with you. So uh, the, the Jordan thing really kind of set a gold standard. I, lo- I think a lot of people who follow would not be able to to accomplish. But then again, it's you know it shouldn't always be a life story. I, I think we need to get to the bottom of why he did it, and then you look at how many other people were doing it, and and the, at the behest of coaches and whomever, knowing that this is the only way they were going to compete. So, I'll be anxious to see what else they can come up with. But it didn't wow me like the Jordan documentary. He made a lot of money for himself while he was cheating, and he also went out of his way to ruin a lot of people's lives, too. So it's just anything Lance Armstrong related, I don't have much of an interest in. Yeah, I I agree. Yeah. I would have rather watched Tyson, which tell me about it. I didn't have, I didn't know he was on, but I saw him in some photographs here yesterday. Yeah. So he's been, so yeah, a few weeks ago, he posted that workout video where, uh, kudos to whoever the guy is training him because those hands are coming so fast and I I don't think I could stand there and just take take that even though I know Mike Tyson knows where those fists are going I don't know where those fists are going so to have that confidence and that faith in him to stand there and take those punches that's that's one heck of a job that you're uh, that you're signing up for so he's been posting the videos of this potential comeback. Then Evander Holyfield is posting videos of a potential comeback. And last week they talked about having some sort of exhibition fight and putting it on TV and seeing what kind of money they can make. But the new uh, AEW wrestling, all elite wrestling, the company that's owned by Tony Khan, the son of Shad Khan based out of Jacksonville. They had a pay-per-view this weekend that Mike Tyson was a, uh, was a part of as he presented one of the new championship belts to them. And I tell you, he took his shirt off at some point. I mean, he is ripped and jacked for, I mean, he's what 54, 57 years old, 53, 53 years old. I mean, he is jacked and ripped for being 53 years old. And he uh, he looks to be in incredible shape. He had a run-in with Jake the Snake Roberts at this uh, at this show this weekend. And I know ESPN is showing a lot of his classic fights now. So somehow in 2020, Mike Tyson has put himself back into the news and is relevant once again. Do you have any interest in watching Evander Holyfield and Mike Tyson in their 50s 
no. go out and throw punches? I do. I, I can't. Well, I, I would watch that. I think it had to be limited, maybe three rounds. Um, I was with Evander Holyfield during the holiday season, and, he, you know, he's always been in great shape. Um, I think if you had a three or four round event, that would be good enough. Uh, one time shot. I don't think we need to start a senior tournament here. Um, but I think it's something that that would pique the interest because you know what, to be honest with you, Joe, the, the current battlers don't battle enough, don't fight enough. And uh, I, I think that that's something that we need to kind of take into account. You can't name drop that you were hanging out with Evander Holyfield during the holiday season and just keep talking like it's nothing. Uh, well, I mean, I've known him for a long time, and he's got some. We've got some mutual friends here in St. Louis that he was in town for something, and uh, we just had a chance to kind of kick it a little bit. I mean, he's a good guy. I mean, uh, as I said, he takes great care of himself, and uh, he's in St. Louis more than you think. I well, I knew I had him on during the Atlanta Super Bowl. I had him on Radio Row. And when he found out that we were from St. Louis, he he did mention that he goes to a lot of Cardinal games, that he is up here a lot, and that he had uh, a lot of fond memories of St. Louis. How's his son doing as far as becoming a, a professional boxer? Um, I'm not sure. I think the first question you have to ask, which son? I mean, right. you know, he's a man with multiple children, so I'm not sure which one we're talking about here. I, I don't. I knew he had one that was trying to uh, to, to go into pro boxing, even yeah. though he he told us that he hoped that he made enough money in his career so his kids didn't have to do it, and uh, one just wanted to do it. He he saw what his dad did. You know, he wanted to follow in the footsteps. You know, he's got a lot of kids, and um, you know, he had one son who was playing football. Yeah, um, but I don't know what the other one's doing. You know, boxing is such a hard event to get into these days, so. Yeah. And then as uh, as I say that, our, our friend Clarence Gaines uh, comments, that's why they call you the mayor, Mike. You just you just name drop people like that just left and right uh, here in, in interviews and uh, here on Lunch with Claves and Joe. No interview this week with Clarence Gaines Jr. Uh, I don't know and, uh, what I'm going to do. And, and you know what? I, I, I haven't thanked him enough for what he was able to do because, uh, you know, I've been interviewing people for a long time. And, and Clarence has been a great friend over the years. No one I've ever talked to interviewed was more prepared and, and more detailed than Clarence. And I hope that showed in, in our conversations. Um, he didn't leave many stones unturned. And I, I'm greatly appreciative of what he was able to do and uh, getting the real story out there. Not that there was a story that needed to be disputed, but more along the line of giving more support to what we were able to witness and the backstories that he had, I thought were important. Uh, just to basically sum up everything that was going on in the docuseries. So instead of having Clarence Gaines on this week, we'll uh, we'll have an interview, hopefully up tomorrow, with John Mozalek. We'll uh, we'll chat with him. Uh, you'll chat with him tomorrow. And then you said uh, Mark Russo of the Doobie Brothers, Rob Fisher from the Memphis Grizzlies, and we'll see what else you have up your sleeve this week as uh, as You're well. Short sleeves, so you just never know. It could be fun. Well, Mike, we appreciate it. Hopefully, the uh, the viewers enjoyed the uh, the new uh, new and improved look to our to our video. As we will be back with you with lunch with Claves and Joe again next Monday at twelve thirty. Mike, have a, a great rest of your Tuesday. We'll talk soon. I'm bringing lunch next week.
Sounds good. I look forward to it. I'm Joe Roderick. That's Mike Clayboard. This has been Lunch with Claves and Joe here on ClavesOnline.com, powered by Amron, Illinois, and driven by Munganass St. Louis Acura right here again on ClavesOnline.com.